Amen. Go ahead and be seated. What an awesome song to transition us from the series that we've just completed called United and into our new series that we're launching today that we're calling Four. Before we jump into that, I just want to quickly add a special welcome to you. If you are visiting with us this morning, we would love to have an opportunity to get to know you more and find out what brings you out to church here this morning. You can help us to do that by filling out a Connect card in the seat back in front of you. If you'd be willing to fill that out and turn it into a staff person, you can find me in the lobby or one of our Welcome Center hosts out there by the, the big TV. We'd love to just give you a small gift as our way of saying thanks for coming out to church today, but most importantly, we'd just love to meet you and get to know you personally. As I said, we completed a three-part series called United, and it was about how we unite as a church, as a faith community, and that, that to unite as a church, it means that we are all united in our discipleship to Jesus, that as disciples of Jesus, we follow Jesus, right? And one of the things that I like to do is when I introduce myself, I know many of you have noticed this, I introduce myself as one of the pastors here, and that is because I firmly believe that Jesus is my lead pastor, amen? If we are truly followers of Jesus and disciples of Jesus and a pastor, which just simply means shepherd, which in the biblical context means leader, then, then ultimately aren't we truly desiring for Jesus to be our lead pastor? And, and, and if he truly is our lead pastor and we are here following Jesus and we are uniting around his call to invest in the things that Jesus values, which we said very clearly is people, right? Jesus values people. That's why he gave his life was to save people. Then, then we too need to value people above all of the other things that might get in the way of God's mission of love to save a lost and a hurting world. And too often the very things of church can get in the way of our focus of valuing people. We talked about how discipleship to Jesus means that we value what Christ values and, and that because he gave his life to save not just you and me, but to save the whole world, uh, we learn from what the apostle Paul encourages us to learn in Romans 8, 28, that because Jesus has done all of these things for us in all things, then God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. Man, that's a loaded statement, isn't it? If you really go through that slowly, in all things, God works. Who works? God works. For the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. Men and women, this is the, the core understanding of what discipleship is all about and why for several years now we have been saying that here at Faith Covenant Church, discipleship isn't one of the things that we do. It's the one thing that we do. And everything that we do is about discipleship because in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. That means it's not just in one hour on Sunday morning that God works for your good and for mine. It's not just on Wednesday nights or, or, or when we have our morning devotional. It's, it's when we're at work and when we're at school and we're at the grocery store and we're going about our lives out there in the world, in our community. God is working for your good and for my good, because we love him and he has called us to live a lifestyle that lives out his purposes and not our own. 
If we continue in Romans 8, we're going to look at verses 31 and 32. We're going to have it on the screen for you as well. If all this is true that I'm saying, if all of the things we've been talking about in the Unite series, and if you, if you weren't here for the series, you're a missed part of it, you can go back and check it out online and catch up, because what we're doing is we're laying some paving stones on the discipleship pathway of where we're going as a church. And, and you want to be on that pathway if you want to be a part of where God is leading us at Faith Covenant Church. See, Paul goes on to say, if all of this is true about what Jesus has accomplished for us and what God does in us, then what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, do you believe God is for you? How can we not when we see what, what he's done in his son Jesus? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Is that an encouragement to you this morning? It's an encouragement to me, because so often it's really easy for us to think because of our own sinfulness and our own brokenness and our own guilt, and we tend to beat ourselves up more than anybody else, right? That God isn't for us. God is against us. God doesn't even really like us. He might tolerate us because he has to love us because God is love, but he doesn't really like us, and God isn't really for us, right? He's just more often against us. But you see, the good news message of Jesus Christ is that even in our brokenness and sin, even in our failings and our mistakes, God isn't against us. He is for us. God is for people. God is for you. God is for us. But, but here, and this is the, the challenge I want to begin to introduce for us in this new series that we're calling for. Here's the flip side of this discipleship to Jesus as our lead pastor. And it's what we're going to be talking more and more about over the next few weeks. If God is for us, we also need to be for others. If God is for us, we also need to be for others. See, part of our discipleship to Jesus means that we pursue a lifestyle that is intentionally for others. It's not self-centered, it's other-centered. It's not me-centered, it's you-centered. It's not Faith Covenant Church-centered, it's Sumner Community-centered. It's East Pierce County-centered, it's the world-centered. Our life is not our own, and it's not for us anymore. Even though God is for us, his call is that we become more and more like Jesus, who gave his life for the world. But here's the even harder part, okay? <laughs> Sorry to poke you a little more. This is true even when they are not for us. This is true even when they are not for us. In this new series called Four, we want to explore more what it means for us as a church that is truly uniting in following Jesus as his disciples, that truly values what Jesus values, what it means for us to be truly for others, to be truly for our community, to be truly for those who are perhaps far from God and maybe even against us. 
Pastor Jeff Henderson, who did a lot of work in, in developing this idea of the church needing to be for others and for its community, asked a really good question that, that I think it's helpful for us to ask ourselves in this season ahead as a church. What do we want to be known for? Right? As a church, what do we want to be known for in our community? What would we like people to think about when they hear the name Faith Covenant Church? What do we want to be known for? This is a question we can ask in other ways too, right? If you're a business owner and you have customers and clients, what do you want your business to be known for? It's a good question to ask as a business person. It's a good question for our teachers and our school administrators, right? What do we want our schools to be known for? What do we want our school districts to be known for? What do we want our reputation to be in our community? What, what if we were to ask the question as individuals, as a, as a person, what would you like to be known for? When, when someone hears your name, what would you like people to think about you? What would you like to be known for? And I'd like to suggest that this is a critically important question for us to be asking as a church as we move forward into this new season of life and ministry. What do we want to be known for? Because too often in our culture, for right or wrong, the church is known more for what we're against than what we're for, right? Right? I mean, if we try to think about it from the perspective of someone who doesn't go to church, who, who may be far from God and, and is totally in the secular culture of our world, what would their answer be? I mean, obviously we'd be generalizing, but isn't it true that for many people in our culture, they would say that the church is known more for what Christians are against than what they're actually for? And as a result, do they even really understand the gospel message? Do they even know what the church exists for? No wonder so many people don't even consider church anymore, right? Because they think we're just a bunch of people who are against stuff. The church isn't for them because the church isn't for them. At least that's how they perceive it, right? Church isn't for them because the church isn't for them. Or at least, you know, church isn't on their radar. It's not a, a normal option when they get up on Sunday morning and say, well, what do I want to do today? Well, I could watch the football game. I could mow the grass. I could go ride the bike. Maybe it's a fishing weekend. Or, hey, I could go to church. They wouldn't even think of that because it's not for them. There's no value, at least from their perspective, because they don't know that God is for them. They see the church in our culture, and they think the church is just a, a bunch of stuck-up people who are against a whole bunch of stuff, right? And, and how do we begin to change that perception? And maybe it's partly deserved in some cases, but in many ways, we know that that's not true as well. How do we begin to change the perception of people in our culture that the church is against them and help them to begin to awaken to the idea that maybe, just maybe, the church is for them. And just maybe, that maybe, if the church is for them, then maybe God is actually for them as well. So how, how do we do this if this is something that we feel God is leading us to do as a community? How do we begin to step into that and to live this out together? Well, I, I'd like to suggest that, that again, from a, a vision standpoint, we want to create a church that people in our community would be excited to be a part of. Right? We want to create a church that people in our community would be excited to be a part of. And I don't mean that in terms of entertainment, 
I, I mean that in terms of, I, I can't not go ahead. There's something here that I need, that, that I need as a person, that our family needs, that, that, that I've been missing in my life, and, and I'm excited to be a part of what's happening in this place. That, that parents will be excited to bring their kids to, that, that students will want to invite their friends to be a part of, and that both men and women find both inspiring and compelling for, for how to live a meaningful and fruitful life. Now, we're not the first ones that have wondered how to do this, right? If you go back to the early church and the, and the story of the New Testament, as the gospel spread out of Israel and, and, and across the world, new believers that weren't Jewish in their orientation began to kind of be intrigued about Jesus and check out the church, and be, people began to accept Christ and become Christians. And what happened is this began to create some problems for the Jewish believers, because the Jewish believers said, hey, wait a minute, they're not living a lifestyle that we're living. In fact, if, if they're going to take on all of the blessings of our people that, that God has given to us, they have to change their life to, to follow our rules and to live our laws and to do the same kinds of things that we're doing. And if they don't, then maybe they're not really acceptable in our faith community. And so this whole stink arose, and in Acts chapter 15, all the leaders of the church got together and said, what are we going to do about this? Because there are people who went out and actually went to the new churches, and they were telling these new Gentile believers that they weren't actually believers because they weren't following all the Jewish laws. And so in Acts 15, 19, after they debate all this, and you can read the story this week on your own if you want, but, but the apostle Peter sums it up because he steps up, and after interpreting what God's meaning through Scripture has been of what he's done in Christ, he says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Now, now, if we were to, to, to kind of play this forward and apply this to the average, uh, you know, Joe and Mary person in our neighborhood and in our culture, how, how would you apply this to people in our relationship networks? How do we as Christians perhaps make it difficult for people to turn to God in our culture? I suggest that going along the lines of our theme, it goes back to the question, what are we known for? as Christians. And here, here's, I think, what our answer we would like to be here at Faith Covenant Church. We need to demonstrate that we are not against our community, but that we are for our community. We are for Sumner, Washington. We are for our schools. We are for our local businesses. We are for the adults and the children and the students in our community. We are for people. Whether they're in our church or not in our church, we're for people. Because the reason we're for people is because God is for people. And if we are for them, and they know that we're for them because they see it demonstrated in our relationships, in our lives, and how we live in our community, then maybe they'll begin to believe that God is actually for them as well. You know, the Gospel of John said it this way in the famous John three sixteen. but I always like to add 17 because it's not as good without 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's really good, but, but 17 makes it even better. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. 
And yet how often do we as a church find ourselves in the position of being a condemning voice in our culture, condemning their attitudes, condemning their behavior, condemning the world around us? How are they going to see the gospel message preached if we as Christians are condemning the culture around us? God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, it's not our job to save the world. God didn't send us into the world as a church to be the savior of the world. He's the savior. What he sent us into the world to do is to demonstrate the love that Jesus had for us so that they can find that same hope and salvation in Christ that we have been blessed to receive. Amen? See, people who don't know church and who don't know Jesus likely might not understand this good news message because they haven't seen it in the culture. They haven't seen it in the world. They haven't seen it in their workplace. And, and, and if we can't show it to them in our own lives, how are they going to know? So our job is to demonstrate that God is for them by being for them first. Now, I want to make a quick aside. In order to be for our culture, in order to be for people who don't know Jesus, we do not have to compromise our beliefs or our values as Christians in order to be in relationship with people who are far from God. Let me just say that one more time because I want to be clear. We do not have to compromise our beliefs or our values as Christians in order to be in relationship with people who are far from God. It might be a little bit more of a challenge and it might create some awkward moments, but we can do it if we do it the way Paul said we speak the truth in love, right? If our motivation is love, then people will know that we have their best interests at heart. We just need to be active and available in our communities to be in relationship with people that God would send us to. Now, today, we're going to kind of launch a new initiative that we're calling For Sumner, and we're going to create a hashtag. If you are part of our hashtag for Faith Cubs Summer this summer, we're going to piggyback on that, and we're going to do a hashtag for Sumner. And, and if you're out and about in the community, and, and you find something that's praiseworthy, or you see somebody that's doing something good, and you want to give them a little encouragement or a nod, you can, you can post something on Instagram or Facebook, and you can hashtag for Sumner. Right? Now, not all of us are good hashtaggers. I'm still kind of you know, figuring out the whole hashtag thing, but that's okay. It's, it's just one method to remind us that our hearts need to be for our community, and we can begin to practice being people of encouragement and support for people who need good news in their lives. Now, we're doing hashtag for Sumner because Sumner is where our church building is, right? We can't do, you know, 50 hashtags because that would be a little too confusing. But, but in reality, we're not just for Sumner. We're for Puyallup too, right? And we're for Ording and we're for Bonnie Lake and, and we're for East Pierce County. We're for the whole world. But, but, but we've got to start somewhere. And this is where our church is planted. So, so for our series, for our initiative, we're going to be for Sumner, in so doing, we're going to work at creating three things with people in our community if you're willing to join us in this endeavor. We want to, number one, create common ground. Create common ground. Number two, create conversations. And number three, create connections. It's pretty simple, right? Create common ground, create conversations, 
and create connections. Let's talk briefly about what that might look like a little bit, and there'll be more that we'll unpack as we go through this series. See, all of this is designed with this Acts 15, 19 idea in mind that we want to make it as easy as possible for people to turn to God if God gets a hold of their heart. Rather than putting an obstacle in their place, we want to create a pathway for them to find their way back to God if God gets a hold of their heart. For many people who don't go to church, they believe because they don't have anything in common with people who go to church, right? We're completely different than them. We have nothing in common with those people. As a result of this perception that they don't share anything with with us, they they, they don't think that they need to pursue us or find out more about us. Uh, And and so if, if we understand, though, that we are not as separate from our culture as we often might feel, we realize that we have uh, shoulder-to-shoulder brushes with people in our culture every day, right? We have shoulder-to-shoulder brushes with people in our culture every day. If you're a teacher, you have colleagues and students that you have shoulder-to-shoulder brushes with every day. If if you're a a business owner or employee who works in a business here in Sumner, you have shoulder-to-shoulder brushes with people who don't know Jesus, who don't go to church every day. Right? If you're out as a, as a homemaking mom and you're, you're filling out the grocery list and you're walking around, you know, Fred Meyer and up and down the aisles, or maybe you prefer Winco, I mean, there's people in and out of those stores all day long. You're having shoulder to shoulder brushes with people every day. So the question is, how do we begin to find ways of creating at least an, an initial uh, common ground opportunity with people who think that we're so different? See, we, we deal with the same thing. We put our pants on the same way as everybody else. We struggle with finances the same way all our families do. We, we, we you know, are trying to figure out how to have our family be healthy and whole in the midst of a crazy, busy schedule of life. We're not really all that different. There are points of common ground that if we were able to meet Somebody and strike up a conversation about some of those normal everyday life things, there could be an opportunity for God to take that conversation and, and open up a whole opportunity for him to work with that. And we can find things that we have in common that maybe we thought weren't really there. See, when we find common ground with people in the midst of a conversation with somebody that we meet in line at the, at the uh, post office or, or, or when we're standing at the gas station, that person across the pump from you is kind of going, <laughs> and maybe, hey, how's it going today? And you stripe up a, a, a little conversation. You know, maybe we can just say, oh, you want this place where we live to, to be a great place? Well, we want that too. Oh, you, you want to have, have a nice, safe place where you can raise kids and family? And you know what? We, we want that too. Oh, you want our businesses to thrive so that we can have a, a robust economy and keep people can find gainful employment to take care of their families? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we support that. <laughs> you want our schools to be great so our kids learn and they, they grow up in a, with a good education? Yeah. You know, we're, we're for that as well. You want our parks to be clean, our streets to be safe, and people to be served who are in need? You know what? Maybe we have more common ground than we thought. Look how much we have in common. But see, far too long, the church has had either an adversarial relationship with people in our culture who don't go to church, or perhaps the bigger challenge is we just don't even have a relationship with people who don't go to church. So how can God work to to open up the opportunity for a conversation to lead to to connection and to common ground if if we're not even connecting with people who don't go to church, who don't know Jesus? The reality is 
that we create common ground with other human beings by making connections with them and just simply having conversations. See, there's lots of ways that we can do this, and we want, we want to create more opportunities moving forward for all of us as a church to be participating in this. But for now, just to get us started, for today, uh, we want you to participate in this share the harvest idea that's coming up where we're going to purchase apples, where the funds are going to go to help with sustainable farming in Africa. Uh, but as our gift to you as you leave today, you're going to get an apple, and the apple has a little sticker on it that just says, For Sumner. And, and, and two opportunities. One is you can receive that as our gift to you and just be encouraged that, that we are for you. And, and that's our fall gift to you. The, the second thing you can do is you might think about where that apple might be gifted to somebody else, right? Uh, maybe it's somebody you're going to run into today and you just hand them the apple with a smile and it's got a little four Sumner sticker on there and that's all you have to say. You don't have to say anything else. It's just, you know, a gift. Or maybe you uh, know a teacher, Apples for teachers, right? Maybe you know a teacher who would appreciate an, a gift of encouragement at the start of a crazy school year, right? I mean, this is a time of year when teachers are going to need a lot of extra encouragement and support because it's crazy right now. And so an apple with a, with a word of encouragement might be wonderful for our teachers. Or, or maybe you know somebody who works for the city government or is in the police department. And, and how often do they get a word of encouragement or thanks? You know, and, and maybe because you know them and you have that personal connection, it's just a simple way of saying, hey, we're for Sumner and we are for you. For, ta- for too long, the church has been disconnected from our culture because somehow we think we're so different. But there are lots of ways that we can do this and we want to create more opportunities for us to build these bridges of relationship and connection, not so that we can save the world, but so that we can be for the world and that through those connections, Jesus can save the world. You may also consider giving to someone else today that you just meet randomly on the street or at Starbucks or in line at the grocery store. As we create common ground, we create conversation and then God uses those gifts, those simple sacrificial gifts of generosity, of our comfort, right? Sacrificing our comfort and our awkwardness to make a bridge. God can use that in some amazing ways. So we're suggesting that we help together to create common ground with people in our community. Maybe you want to walk to downtown Sumner and give it to a business owner in downtown Sumner is just a way of saying, hey, we just want you to know our church is for you. We support what you guys are doing down here and we hope you're successful. Have a great day. See, here's the question I think we need to consider as a church as we close for today. And you've probably heard this question before. If our church disappeared tomorrow, would our community even notice? If our church disappeared tomorrow, would our community even notice? Now, if the building disappeared, they would notice there'd be a big hole, right? But, but, but the church isn't the building. If you disappeared tomorrow, would anyone in our community notice? If you disappeared tomorrow, would our community feel a loss because they they know that you've been for them in some way? And and the more that we are each connected to this idea of being for our community and being for Sumner, the greater impact that we have as a, a collective community on the surrounding neighborhoods where we live, whether it's in Sumner or East Pierce County or wherever we go, because wherever you go, Faith Covenant Church is there because you are faith covenant church when the church is for the community and for its people and deeply desires to introduce them to a loving heavenly father 
it creates a beautiful partnership that allows us to be a positive impact. Whether they accept Jesus or not, at least they will say, that's what I thought Christianity should be like. Amen? So pray. Consider helping us in this initiative as we move forward in the weeks ahead and in this season. We'll be talking about it more over the next few weeks. And, re- and remember, this isn't essentially a new message or some gimmicky, trendy thing that we're doing to try and grow our church. You go back to Acts 15, 19, and the early church leaders said, how do we remove the obstacles to make it easy for people to turn their hearts to God? And that's all we want to do is to see more and more people come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ so they can experience the transforming life of his spirit in them, which is the blessings we've received, and he's called us to give away on behalf of the world as we follow Jesus as our lead pastor. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the challenges of your word. And, and we forget how easy it is to become comfortable in our own experience of church and our own busyness of life and our families. And, and we pray that your word to us this morning would, would not be brushed off too quickly, that it would stick with us as we go into our days and into our week, and that you would encourage our hearts and our minds to be motivated to want to get on mission with Jesus, to make connections with our community to have conversations that, with those people that you would lead us to have conversations with, with the sole purpose, not to convert them on that moment, but to have the sole purpose of finding common ground together, to build those connections so that bridges of relationship can be used by your spirit to draw people back to yourself. And as you do, God, we will praise you and give you the glory because it is only through your strength at work in us that we can accomplish this calling that you've given us in the name of Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen.